when someone comes to me and they say, I want you to design me a security system so that my house is safe. The first thing I tell them is that's no, there's no such thing. This that single person that clicks on grandma's recipe that they know good and well, their grandma died five years ago. And they click on that recipe <laughs> because it, it came through their email. I want to see what it was though, Steven. I've won the Spanish national lottery. No, it's a scam. Professor, stop. You're giving away personal information. I can afford to give away anything I want. I've won the Spanish National Lottery. We talk elevating professionalism and Johnson Controls gets hacked. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. This is Resi Week, episode 400, Elevating Professionals. Hey, welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host. Matthew Scott for Aviation.tv. And this week, we are pleased to be joined by uh, two of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Stephen Bronner. He's the owner of Pro Audio Georgia. How you doing, brother? Man, I'm outstanding. This is so beautiful in Georgia. It's beautiful in here. It's like, dude, I was in a tree this morning. It was 44 degrees, which is something else in Canada, which I, I should know, but I don't. Wait a minute. Did you get your permit and license to climb that particular tree? Yes, I did. And I carried it with me in triplicate, just in case. You better. You're darn right. Uh, then we have Mr. Patrick Norton. He's a content, content specialist over at CTI. How you doing, Patrick? I'm doing good. Uh, I've also uh, uh, tested, recorded, uh, abused, and uh, rated uh, home theater and audio equipment. And I've done a home theater and audio podcast on the consumer side of things for on and off for closing it on a decade now. Um, this is fun. I'm getting to talk to the big boys with the real budgets. <laughs> We're going to kick this off with a story that comes to us from CE Pro and Mr. Pete Baker. How can we elevate professionalism in the custom integration industry? Uh, poor experiences deter prospective clients uh, can be reduced potentially with, I added the potentially for you. Um, with more certifications, educations, and suppliers vetting their dealers, as well as greater accountability. Um, I mostly agree with one part of that statement, um, but we'll leave it there. Go read through the article. It is a very interesting read, uh, and Pete really hammers home the, the fact that uh, continuing education, continuing training, and certification uh, is, is crucial, uh, which is not wrong um obviously that manufacturing uh their their verification can avoid unqualified dealers um and that we need to raise the bar for professionalism with accountability which i definitely agree with steven let me let me start on this um politely all of these things are true right certifications help standards help uh professionalism accountability helps uh, manufacturers knowing who their dealers are helps. None of that um, can fully solve this because we are a unregulated industry and our clients can pick anything off the wall when they go to choose whoever they want to work with. Will any of this that Pete's talking about in the long run actually serve to get better product as the be all and end all. It would be different if we all worked for one company and we all worked to a certain standard and we all participated in the industry like we're supposed to, but we don't. 
the truth is is that you don't and the client oftentimes the clientele that are experiencing the poor um, service are bottom feeders they're looking for the lowest price or at least close to the lowest price and uh, you get what you pay for so um, I tell people all the time that there are 10 bids out there I'm going to be the seventh or eighth highest uh, but you can rest assured that all the parts and pieces are in my estimate. They will not be change orders uh, because companies are intentionally underbidding projects, even though they know good and well that the specification requires a part. Because that part is not listed on the specification, they underbid the project. They come in later and they add the parts and pieces that are necessary. Mm -hmm. So on every single project that I have lost, I have gone back because I do this. I keep in touch with people. I keep a good rapport and I go back and I say, what was the final invoice in there? And never failed. It's always 20, 30, 40 percent higher than what was quoted. And you start looking at it and it's because they were dealing with bottom feeders. So I'll tell you how you fix that is uh, you just don't work with those clients. Yeah. Uh, a client is only your client if they're not shopping you. If they're shopping you, then you're just another person to them. You're not, they're not a client. Uh, you deliver the best service you can, and if it's a project you have to take, then you take it. But in my world, one of my clients is someone that's not out shopping me constantly. Uh, if they need a price check or whatever, but the only way you're going as a customer, the only way you're going to avoid horrible service all the time is to find someone that does has a good reputation that that stands by their word and you develop a relationship with that person because it's a lot easier to ignore a phone call from customer smith on a saturday than it is to ignore a phone call from jimmy the guy that you watched football with last saturday and whose kids go to school with your mm -hmm. kids and it's just a different relationship that's the only way to avoid it but as long as customers are bottom fishing um, that they're, they're going to get that horrible service. And it's not just in our industry, it's in every industry. Uh, I'm a big believer in continuing education, but the bottom feeders are not doing continuing education. I can't tell you how many of these guys I've talked to, I've mentored, I've worked with, and uh, I apologize for the background noise. Uh, but I can't tell you how many of these guys I've worked with and they all say, well, you know, I, I, I just don't see the use in it. I don't see the need in it. And then they call you because they can't design systems and the systems they are designing don't work. And you look at them and go, remember that continuing education I talked to you about? That's why my systems don't go down. And we currently have projects in five states. We're a three-person company. Our systems just don't go down and we spend all our time on maintenance. So instead of focusing on increasing the professionalism, um, I think we just need to focus on making sure we understand who our clients are. Yeah, that's a really good point. In that... Um that adding on to things that are out of spec like that that is such a huge aspect of the commercial construction business it is if if you don't believe us go talk to you know your friendly electrician that does commercial and especially spec work and it is they start here and it's add 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 add, add to get here but the guys that actually add everything in they don't get it because well they added everything in patrick <clears throat> I, I do love these articles as much as I'm kind of picking on it a little bit. Um, but Stephen made a, a really good point, and I very rarely say that, so somebody mark it down. Education is important, but again, the the I hate using the term trunk slammer, but 
the smaller companies that are not <clears throat> caring about certifications or any of these things, they're not doing that anyways. So every time I read an article like this, I come back to the fact that all we're doing is we're looking at the industry side of it. We are not bringing in the customer side. Customers are just as responsible. I mean, it's, it's funny, right? There's a, there's a, a couple of, uh, places that essentially started out as, as audio or AV stores that they do home integrations here in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. One of them happens to be fairly close to my house. And, uh, I had gone in there for a set of speakers and I was kind of curious what level of integration the place did, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm in my dad on a weekend kind of vibe. Yeah. And it was fascinating because, um, I couldn't actually get a question answered. Uh, there was one person there, they were the owner. And I guess I didn't, you know, this, and it's funny, right? Because I will honestly say a lot of my love for audio equipment comes from the relationships that were established by a place called the Stereo Exchange in New York City. Place way down uh, near Houston Street, not too far from NYU, uh, lower Manhattan. And they went out of their way to be like, they understood that, that somebody's going to walk in there and they're going to look at a set of Macintosh, you know, Macintosh, pardon me, you know, amplifiers and be like, I want the big blue meters. I want the massive array. And then they're going to hear the price tag, which is going to cost the same as their year at NYU. Not that I was at NYU. Um, and they would, they would introduce them to entry level products. They, they resold used products. They helped people build systems. And in part of that, they educated mm -hmm. their clients. They took mostly young people or people who were like, and there's a metric ton of them. Like I, I've come from here. I have a job in Manhattan. I'm living in a shoebox. I have no money, but I want to hear music. And they taught them they're like, Hey, you know, you don't need to spend a billion dollars. Here's how you start. Here's what's important, you know. And, you know, I, I, I honestly think I, I, I was car checked when I pulled into this local place because the thing flicked, you know, and he <laughs> saw my, I was probably in a, you know, beat up pickup truck because that's the way I roll. And I think he decided that there wasn't any possible way. I was in there to buy a set of speakers and to listen to an amplifier that my wife would kill me for buying if she knew what it cost. And he couldn't be bothered, right? So he lost the sale. He lost my respect. Uh, and it was a waste of my time, right? And I think a lot of cases, because you, you read this article uh, up on CE Pro, and part of what they're talking about is like, my smart home doesn't work, right? And and one of the challenges you run into is, is you know, is it, you know, like Stephen said, like, do they know what they're doing? Have they put it together properly? Have they built it properly? Are people mm -hmm. confusing like, oh, well, I have an Amazon fire weasel and it's supposed to make my lights go on. But apparently, you know what I mean? Like it's it's interesting to watch as people also start to bring their own devices in. They try to add stuff. They don't want to talk to their dealers. Um, some of the, you know, I, I also laugh because like some of the UX, like he makes a good call, like some of the UX that you see in, in home systems where you're just like, wow, somebody really liked to make sure you had to go through four pages to, you know, get to whatever. It, yeah. I just remember being like, bing, 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 dink. And the lights went down in the room, bing, 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 dink. And the home theater started. And I'm like, shouldn't those two <laughs> happen automatically? Like when I hit the home theater, shouldn't the lights go down? I mean, I'm, you know, if I could do that at home with a Harman controller, <laughs> like, why is this, $15,000 worth of installation on this $75,000 system, not actually doing that. So, you know, I think, I think 
you know, customers have to educate themselves. I think you have to do a lot of education of customers. You know, I, you know, I totally see Steven like, man, every time he makes one of those follow-up calls and people are like, wait a minute, I paid 20% more than your bid, which was 15% higher than the bid they gave me, which means I got really screwed, right? And that's that's an educational moment for anybody buying this stuff. But it's it's kind of a two-way street and it's kind of, you know, I, I will also say, man, there's a lot of companies that also really need to make their delete expletives smart, he says in brackets, you know, yes. uh, home stuff work the way they said it would when you cut the check for it. Um, <laughs> Steven's waving his finger at the window like we're on the same page. That's the key, man. That is the key right there. And that's the service side. If someone sells you something, you need to look at what they said they were selling you. And when it's over, if it doesn't do what they tell you it's going to do, then you need to hold them accountable. And I'm telling you, most of these companies, the problem is, is that people don't use technology consultants. If a person said, you know what, I'm going to spend $80,000 on a system. And I know there's people out there that'll hear this and go, 80, that's a breakfast for me. Well, you know what? Must be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's say they're going to spend $80,000. They can call, they can call someone like me and they could say, Hey, I've got somebody doing the project. I need you to look over the scope for me. I just need you to look at it. And when it's done, I'd like for you to come through and test it and make sure that it's what they promised me. You pay me what? 5% yeah. of the total. So you pay me $4,000. I, I handhold. I look through the whole system. I make sure it's going to work the specifications. I'm not trying to take the project because you already told me from the beginning, right. it wasn't my project. But if you spend 5% on your project total to hire a professional that can come in unbiased and look at the project, you're going to save yourself a lot of headaches. But people, they're bottom feeding. People aren't doing that. And part of it is just the fact that our industry doesn't promote that. But, you know, I'm telling you, man, these people, they get these systems. And I'm, I'm in a house right now, 40 speakers in this house, 11 zones. Some of them are six speakers with a sub. Some are two speakers with a sub. Some are four speakers, no sub. And everything is passive. And the guy who built the system built it straight off of Crutchfield, and it works like it was built. I'm going to assume that's not as good as their auto installation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, my thing is, is I, I tell people all the time that you, you, you get what you pay for. And if you're looking for quality, look through the quote. Pull the, pull the warranties, look at the products they're using. Does the product come with more than a one-year warranty? If it comes with a one-year warranty on every yeah. product they sell, probably not a great product line. You know, there are giveaways, but you talk about professionalism back to mm -hmm. the original thing. People that, like people like me, that, that and, and I, I don't know Patrick, but he seems like a super great guy. So, so people that look at this as a different... Uh, uh, as a profession, as a career mm -hmm. versus a job, they're going to treat it that way. And their quotes are going to show that. Their quotes are attractive. Their quotes have extended warranties on products, things like that. Whereas, you know, the customer knows that. When the customer goes in to buy a Mercedes, they didn't go in buying a Mercedes thinking, okay, I'm going to get it for a Ford price. The professionalism comes in at the integrator side, but it is the customer's responsibility to look for. Is there any kind of collective site that, or consumer facing site that kind of helps walk people through 
No, and and to be to be fair though, there 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 isn't for any industry, right? There isn't for contractors. I, I'm in a local building group, um, and you you just see the number of people that have got screwed because they hired a bad contractor, or they hired a bad electrician, or they hired a bad plumber. Angie's list kind of thing. Yeah, there's so many things that come into play when this stuff happens, and like my favorite example of of a customer just being out of their mind was we sold a bunch of like a few little smart home things and i get a call about the system not working and when i say little smart home i mean little smart home right a doorbell a voice assistant a couple stupid little things um, before we got out of that business entirely and i walked over and they're on their panel and they're like look it the lights won't work i went what do you mean the lights won't work as she's hitting the light button? She's like, the light button doesn't work. I'm like, yeah, you didn't buy any. She's like, what? Yeah. You need, you know, smart switches and dimmers to control. It won't work if you don't have the switches. She's like, no. I'm like, yes. And she had been telling all her friends about this system we put in that sucks because it won't control the lights. I'm like, yeah, we didn't nice. sell you any lights because you wouldn't buy them. They were too expensive, remember? <laughs> and where where that becomes the problem is she doesn't go back to her friends and go, you know what? We talked about yeah. Matt's company and I was terrible to him and he was right. Everything worked. He we just didn't we didn't buy that option. And that's that that's part of where some of this happens. All right, let's change topics for a second. This comes to us also from CE Pro. Johnson controls are impacted in a cybersecurity attack. Uh, they were hit with ransomware last week and supposedly part of the uh, information that may have been compromised is a bunch of DHS, uh, Department of Homeland Security floor plans. Oh, all kinds of fun, all kinds of fun stuff in this article. Patrick, <clears throat> a Johnson Controls is, is a bit of a larger company. Um, they're not exactly itty bitty. No, 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 no. Ironically, one of their, I, I, you know, I, I have one of their, you know, $30 refrigeration control systems turning a freezer into a refrigerator <laughs> in my basement. But one of their bigger engineering facilities uh, is about a half mile from where I'm sitting. When I, when, when I see this stuff, Patrick, it, cause we talk about it a lot in the industry that hold on. You know, we need, hold on, stop the first. Uh oh. <laughs> Did you just say it's turning a freezer into a refrigerator? <laughs> Yeah. And we've lost Stephen. When they can't, when a company the size of Johnson Controls, right, is having these kind of issues, that, that goes so far beyond, beyond the spec of like the local integrator trying to protect your network if you've got some JC stuff in, right? This is an area, uh, one of my closest friends, a uh, really good friend of mine, um, one of them designs tools for uh, pen testing, pen testing or red team were the people that get hired to attack a network at a three letter mm -hmm. agency at a major corporation, something like that. And their goal is to find the flaws and to help the company remove them before they get attacked. Right. And another friend of mine does that, uh, internally for a major airline. I've started going to DEF CON about 20 years ago. I have a weird relationship to network security. Um, there's a challenge here and you know, there's, there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on is, is one, it's really hard to keep a network secure. Um, 
because people use networks. And in the immortal words of a t-shirt I used to have, there is no patch for human stupidity. Um, it's also kind of extraordinary that the level, the flawless execution or the fearless intensity or the spam-like refusal to give up that uh, people that are you know bad actors, black hats, hackers, whatever you want to call them, will employ uh, to hit any easy target or, you know, if they are operating at a higher level for more money or because they are working for a government agency, the extraordinary skill and expertise they will bring to that. And what's ironic is all of these things come together, script kitties, people looking for some easy money, uh, people trying to do super sophisticated attacks where they the, the people they're attacking, whether they're a multinational corporation's IP or some three-letter agency in the federal government, is they all, like, like the common vector for most of these people is phishing attacks. And phishing attacks mm -hmm. means like somebody clicked on a link in an email and then something happened on their PC and that became an entrance into the network. And once they have the entrance into the network, uh, it's not game over, but it's really hard. And, you know... One of the challenges is that most companies don't spend nearly enough time educating their uh, their employees, uh, investing in the infosec uh, that the sort of the sort of you know infosec employees with the expertise in the infosec and the tools to help protect the networks, and also. They, in many cases, are like, it's worked. We don't want to put that. That's a capital expense. We can push the CapEx out to next year. And it's all fun and games until, you know, I mean, you know, they, you know, some bad actors basically cut and pasted the OPM database for all the federal employees, you know, several years ago. That was one of the big scary ones. Um, you know, ransomware tax. Ransomware tax have become so common now that there's ransomware insurance. You know, mm -hmm. the ransomware insurance was getting hit so hard. There's now entirely new, you know, uh, systems of backing up your data that basically force one of your backups to be either time locked or physically separated, you know, from the world. The way we used to do it in the old days. And this is like, you know, this is bad. Right. But this yeah. is. This is, you know, I mean, you know, we're we're in a country where we refuse to follow the rest of the world into chipping our credit cards until I think Home Depot, Target, Safeway, and a couple other of the largest retailers in the United States all got schwacked in basically the same way. And then at that point, the credit card companies finally went, oh, well, the expense of upgrading everybody to chip cards is now officially lower than the amount of money we got taken for this year, right? Um, and that's a and that's the way people tend to approach security. Wow, somebody just locked up all our intellectual property or somebody just shut our hospital down. We really should have invested more money in, you know, in, in IT, in security, in, you know, this is a line item. This is this is it. This is never going away. Mm -hmm. uh, it is yeah. unfortunate, particularly when things like, you know, Department of Homeland Security floor plans that would probably, presumably, like, what would be on those? Would it be, you know, the, the Johnson control systems that are employed in the security of that? Or does it give someone a vector mm -hmm. to turn up the heat to a room to an uncomfortable level to potentially drive people out, make it easier to do a physical access, right? This is, this is frustrating. If you start firing the executives that were in charge when the light item was scratched out, you make some changes. So that's the problem with our society right now as a whole is, is that responsibility and accountability have been canceled 
because somebody checks a box. Either they're skinny, they're fat, they're black, they're white, they're gay, they're straight, they're this, they're that. They like furries. They don't like furries. They, you know, whatever. There's always some box that everybody checks and nobody wants to get fired and there's no accountability. So if you start going through these companies and if somebody, if, if, if they were in a meeting and it came up and an executive said, you know what, we're not going to spend that money, that person should lose their job. That, that person's job should hinge on the decisions that they make, just like the rest of us. But even if they spent all the monies, right, they did all the work, they did all their best practices, what do you do when you get hit anyways? Because there's lots of companies that put the best effort forward, yeah. and there's well, nobody to fire. You can't stop it. It's just like when someone comes to me and they say, I want you to design me a security system so that my house is safe. The first thing I tell them is that's no, there's no such thing because the truth is, is that a security system is the only way to do that is to incorporate multi-level, including electronic and personal security. And even then these things that you see in the movies where these special forces guys go in, you cannot stop a single person with a gun. If a single person without accomplices wants to do something, they're going to be able to do it. And that's what the secret service will tell you is their biggest fear. I know some of those guys. They'll tell you straight up, it's not the groups, the terrorists, it's the single person. You know who IT people fear? The same damn people. There's that single person that clicks on grandma's recipe that they know good and well their grandma died five years ago. And they click on that recipe because it, it came through their email. I want to see what it was, though, Stephen. Now they've got Victor Nakamov and Habib Hashim in their computer, both of them trying to take over. Because they clicked on something, the weaknesses between the keyboard and the chair, it's always been that way. But the companies can do exactly what Patrick said. They can do, they can do uh, duplicating uh, or redundant backups so that it's not a matter of if you'll get hit. If you are a lucrative enough target, it's not a matter of if, it's when. So you have to prepare for that. And in order to prepare for that, you spend the money it takes to secure your information. And in my opinion, in my opinion, if you start holding people accountable for these stupid decisions that they make, trying to save a penny here and save a penny there, when last year's profit was $8 billion, but they don't want to spend 500000 on security backup, that's the problem. Now, if last year they lost a billion dollars, I get it. But if last year's profit was five, seven, eight, twelve billion dollars, and you don't have redundant offsite backup just in case you get taken over, you're an idiot. You deserve it. Yeah, I mean, I will. I will say it's it's as somebody who lived in uh, Northern California for a while. Um, you know, when you have one county burn due to an electrical fire. That's one thing. But when you get like your third county in like six years and then everybody realized that like 15 years ago, there was a poor county in the middle of the state up in the foothills. They got burned to the ground due to a lack of electrical maintenance, but nobody knew because it was full of poor people versus Napa or, or Sonoma counties, which have a lot of people with money and a lot of lawyers live there. Um you know, it was crazy, and, and PG&E kept up this great front, like, no, 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 force majeure, act of God, lightning, we can't stop it. And then one of the things that came out was, like, all of this money that was supposed to be going towards line maintenance or cutting trees back or any number of other things went into, uh, I, I don't remember, could have been stock buybacks, could have been something else, but it was basically like, we don't need to do maintenance, this is profit, you know, and I think... 
by the time it was all over and done with, they were 30 billion in the hole and, and trying to, you know, $13.5 billion settlement, 30 billion in the hole. Oh, I also forgot, you know, they had old gas lines that blew up a neighborhood a few miles south of where I lived. Um, you know, and I was laughing because somebody was like, they can't be held responsible for that. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure if you've got a hundred year old gas line and you don't check it regularly, I'm OK with you being held responsible for that because <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. like they never cashed my energy check. <laughs> In the city I'm from, a couple of neighborhoods over, we had a meth house blow up a neighborhood. So that's, you know, it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's wrap it there. Patrick, if people want to connect with you, learn more about CTI. Uh, or anything else you're messing around with, where can they do that? You know, you can always head over to, I think we're calling it X this week. Uh, yes. Uh, I post X. occasionally on Twitter. I do a, a home theater and audio podcast. It's very consumer facing. Um, and uh, that's at uh, A-V-E-X-C-E-L, uh, avxl.com or avxl on your favorite podcatcher. Excellent. Mr. Bronner, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Pro Audio Georgia, where can they do that? I think go to ProAudioGeorgia.com or ProAudioCarolinas.com. Um, they can look me up, ProAudio underscore GA. I'm all over the place. If you Google, I'm, I'm, I'm just there. Just maybe walk out on the corner on your sidewalk. I'm probably standing there annoying somebody. So, uh, yeah, reach out to me. That sounds fantastic. All right. Thank you again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter slash X or whatever, uh, most other social platforms as well. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Hi, this is Jennifer Goodyear. And Erica Carroll. From from the the Women Women in AV AV Podcast. Podcast, Where we are encouraged by the incredible stories of women in AV. Listen in on fun, empowering conversations as we chat with inspiring women, breaking barriers, and creating their own path in the industry. Check out Women in AV on avnation.tv or wherever you get your podcasts.